Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to our continuing Bible study in the uh, Gospel of Luke, where today will be the, our last lesson in chapter 20. And uh, by way of context, remember that at the beginning of chapter 20, we found Jesus was in the temple teaching the people and preaching the gospel, it says in Luke 20, verse 1. <clears throat> and He's still there. <laughs> Lo, these many months later. <laughs> and uh, then we find all these religious folks that came to him with uh, schemes and trickery, and uh, the chief priests and the scribes were recruiting people to try and subterfuge on the Lord, and they asked him all these silly questions. Well, the Sadducees says, they didn't believe in the resurrection, but they said, well, what about this uh, trick question from from the Old Testament in regarding marriage and the resurrection? He, he, so he took care of that one, and, and he took care of the one that said, uh, what about taxation? Should we give tribute to Caesar or no? And that didn't work out. So that, anyway, they try all these different things, and and that takes us to where we where we will uh, be today in uh, chapter twenty and in, in verse forty one. And after they quit asking him questions, he asked them a question. <laughs> he says, "Here's a here's a test for you." And and this is just it's yeah, the simplicity of it is. You know, without uh, the re- revelation of the Spirit, it's just you just don't have any understanding. And so, in verse uh, t- forty-one of chapter twenty, and he said unto them, "How say they that Christ is David's son?" And David himself said in the book of Psalms, "The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool." David therefore calleth him Lord. How is he then his son? And they, there's no reply. <laughs> there just isn't any. They, they don't even record. In the, the last question in, uh, that they dealt with in <clears throat> chapter 20, verse uh, 40, says, and they durst not ask him any more questions after that. So they, they, were, just, uh, they were just silent. They were just taken aback because there was nothing they could say back to the Lord God Almighty re- regarding this. They just they just had no knowledge, no understanding of it. And so as we look at this uh, block of Scripture, then he, he, he deals with these folks with this question that, again, came, as Norm pointed out, comes from Psalm 110. And we, we sang that hymn. Boy, Isaac Watts had a really great understanding of that block of Scripture. And, and how it applies spiritually and what it means to the people that have been redeemed by the Lord. Uh, in just a paragraph, he just summed the whole thing up. And and so after he issues that question to them regarding Psalm 110, uh, in front of all those people that he just closed their mouth with this question, he looks over to his disciples and said, Don't be like these guys. <laughs> In the audience of all the people, he said unto his disciples, 
beware, beware of these guys. Beware of the scribes. And there were some scribes standing there, and he says, "Beware of the scribes. They like to, they like to walk in long robes and look religious, and they love greetings in the markets, in the highest seats in the synagogues, in the chiefest rooms at the feasts, and they devour widows' houses and for a show." Make long prayers. The same shall receive greater damnation. And so he's making a clear distinction between those that had a spiritual understanding of Psalm 110 and those that were just making a religious show uh, for their own purposes. And and uh, so it kind of comes down to this basic question. He He looks at those scribes and Pharisees and those people that were... Uh, plaguing him with the ridiculous. And what think you of Christ? Is that that's what it comes down to. And and so he brings. You know they they're trying to test him with all these Old Testament questions. He says, "Well, I have an Old Testament thing. I'll give you. <laughs> Let's go to the Psalms and take a look at that. And you know the." One of the things that I was talking to Norm about this morning was that in this in this King King James translation, they they capital the, in uh, verse forty two says David himself say in the book of Psalms, the Lord, and as Norm's always pointing out, that's capital O L capital O capital R capital D for, and it it, it signifies Jehovah, the self existent eternal. God and he said the Lord Jehovah said unto my Lord and the small uh, the capital L small O-R-D is in the Old Testament that's Adonai the the Almighty the Sovereign the Controller the the Ruler and and so that kind of loses something in the translation there because it doesn't emphasize the these different aspects of of God and and I, as Isaac Watts uh, summed that up, he says, "Here we have the Father speaking to the Son, and regarding the redemption of the church, and and so and we'll look at that uh, uh, scripture here in just a second. But uh, he gives them this this question of this so important. What did they think of Christ? And there was no wrangling over things that didn't have any eternal consequence, no marriage, no tax questions. And why is, who, who is the Messiah and why is he called David's son and, and at the same time David's Lord? And, and so those that question him who boasted in their knowledge of the Old Testament, that the Old Testament clearly declared the coming Messiah and they were all familiar with that, uh, and in the Messiah means the sent one, the anointed one, the one who is set apart to accomplish that purpose, and that that name is translated to Christ in the in the Greek in the New Testament, uh, and that that one would come from the lineage of David. There's just a ton of scripture in the Old Testament that tells us that, and uh, all these things, the these false religionists who had no discernment of it, no understanding, no spiritual knowledge, and in, and in fact, they rejected the very fulfillment of it that was standing right in front of them in their very midst. 
And they preferred instead, as the Lord points out, they preferred to walk around being religious and pretending that they were holier than thou and they they loved to appear religious so people would have them in admiration and they would look at them and say oh look how he dresses he's so religious he's he's got the long robes on and and he i see that guy all the time he's always down at the market pray, place praying to and making a big show out of praying and and telling what a wonderful person he is and how uh, I I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I have and I I do this and I do that and uh, he says watch out for those guys they like to wear the religious trappings they love to be re- recognized as religious wherever they appeared they and and while all the time they're maltreating the people <laughs> he says they're they're saying peace, peace when there is no peace to them. They're saying uh, all these things that have no basis in, in truth in the gospel. <clears throat> and uh, he says that they don't enter in. Christ says they don't enter in. And they hinder those that would enter in <laughs> from coming in. He says they're not helping. Don't be like them. Uh, it, it it serves no purpose, and so they love the. Turns out they love the things of the world more than than they they love Christ. They they didn't love it at all, and <clears throat> so concerning his question on how can the Lord be both the Son of David and at the same time David's Lord, they couldn't look at it with the same viewpoint that David had. David was a one of the Lord's redeemed. David was a prophet. And how he saw that uh, affected how he viewed everything. And, and that's so critical. Uh, that we can't have people that have no view of Christ talk, talking to the people and, and trying to fob off on them religious stuff. And so... <clears throat> uh, David recognized that that the righteousness of God could only be satisfied through Emmanuel, God with us. That when the fullness of time was come, Paul wrote, God sent forth a son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And, And it goes on through the Old Testament that he would come from Bethlehem and and uh, out of out of uh, Bethlehem afraid of though thou be little among the thousands of Judah yet sh- out of thee shall come shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from old from everlasting come forth to me and, and this all these dialogues that we have be- between the father and the son uh, but, but clearly there there was no understanding of that and uh, <clears throat> we we should probably uh, take a quick moment and just run over to Psalm 110 and read this scripture that you're probably all familiar with it's uh, been the subject of quite some 
number of messages here of of late. It's a short psalm, seven verses long. <clears throat> and all the time we're reading this, we remember that David was a prophet of God. And, and, and I want you to pay especially close attention to kind of the overall aspect of this. A psalm of David, and he's, he says, you know, my, my hand, my, a pen of a ready writer. He was being directed by the Holy Spirit. The Lord, Jehovah, the Almighty God said unto my Lord, my Adonai, my Sovereign, my Control, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So clearly this speaks to God Almighty, the Father, God the Father, and, and God the Son. And, and all the scriptures testify to this that we find in, in the scriptures. The Lord, Jehovah, shall send... He's going to do this. Shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. And isn't that a powerful statement about the Son? I'm sending the rod of my strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. That's Jesus. That's what's going to happen. <clears throat> thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. Oh, how powerful is that? So I'm going to send my rod of my strength to my people and when he exerts that power they will be willing in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth I like what what uh, Isaac Watts wrote in that hymn at the end he says he says like the dew you wake up in the morning and the dew is on everything every every leaf has a bunch of drops of of dew on it, and you and you look around, and it's just uh, an uncountable number of them, and and it's everywhere. And the Lord, verse four, the Lord has sworn. Jehovah, He has sworn, and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of His wrath. And he shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. And some, uh, many of those parts of the scripture we've we've looked at in previous lessons, and so we're not going to spend time on them today. But uh, <clears throat> but today we're we're primarily focused on the portion that. That has to do with what the Lord quoted in 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 Luke here at the close of the chapter, and uh, <clears throat> primarily in the first couple of verses, the the Lord said unto my Lord, "Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool," and and then His power going forth and His power exerted over His people, and and how that that uh, brings them redemption. <clears throat> uh, Isaiah 11.1 1 says, There shall come forth a rod, the rod of 
Jehovah said, this is the rod of my strength, this, the staff of my strength. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Such beautiful allegorical writing here that he, he brings to this mental image. And, uh, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And I don't know how many times Norman uh, brought messages on the righteous branch, Christ the righteous branch from the Old Testament. <clears throat> and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Now, as as we look at this block of Scripture, you have these two segments of people. You have people, you have the redeemed of the Lord, the church, and, and the ones that are represented by David saying, I know who this is talking about. The Old Testament said he's going to come from through my lineage, but he's accomplishing what was written in Genesis chapter uh, 3. Uh, this, Thy seed shall bruise his head. and uh, So <clears throat> he had a clear under, understanding of that, that the Son of God must come in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin take care of it. And... So we have this this moving from eternity to time that begins in Genesis there in chapter three verse fifteen and and goes on through through David's time and he says he had a he had a clear understanding of that and you know how that comes that comes by revelation uh, as he as he said uh, Jesus said in the in the New Testament he says flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But why? Because it can't. It, it kids can't. There's, uh, it's not possible. He says, "But my Father in heaven, and when he when he reveals it to you, it makes perfect sense, and it, it's it's uh, uh, becomes your true and and your heart." And <clears throat> so, I like what uh, Norman had a quote from Henry Mahan there in the in the bulletin today <clears throat> man does not come to Christ because he's dead in sins and trespasses and it's just a question of ability and one of the other notes said uh, I think it was from Gary Shepherd says well, I just assume I just as well expect a person to get up out of the coffin and go to the kitchen and get a drink of water as <laughs> I would expect a dead person in dead and trespassing sins to uh, react and come forward and say, uh, "I'm com- I'm coming to Christ." They they can't until they've been until they've been made alive. They just can't. And and at that same time, they're made aware of where where they were. They they said, oh, "Man, I was dead." <laughs> That's what Lazarus said when he got up from that. He says, "Man, I still see the outline of the dust around me where <laughs> where I was laying there on that slab. I was dead, 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 <clears throat> and now I've been made alive." And <clears throat> so it, it takes this this spiritual knowledge, a spiritual understanding, for one to say, "The the Lord said unto my Lord." To understand 
the relationship between the Father and the Son and the covenant of grace and the purpose of Him coming to to subdue all of our enemies. And the worst one we have is, is us in our natural uh, condition. And He says, when He exercises His power, great things are going to happen. Wonderful things are going to happen. <clears throat> And in comparison, you have those that love to be in the long robes and make the long fake prayer and pray and show up in the conspicuous places and pretend to be religious. So so as we look at this, it was so well established in the Old Testament that Christ would be raised up to sit on David's throne. Um, in Luke, when our very when our very first chapter in Luke years ago, <laughs> Luke one thirty two. Luke thirty one uh, one thirty one and thirty two and behold, and he, this is the angel speaking to Mary. Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. In verse thirty two says he shall be great, and shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. That's what the angel said to him. And and you know what? He's just quoting the Old Testament. He's just quoting Second Samuel, Psalm 132, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 16, Jeremiah 23, 5, Ezekiel 37. He's just quoting in Genesis. He's just quoting the Old Testament to her. This is what was recorded from from all time. And, and it says he's going to reign forever. So clearly it wasn't just talking about a mortal human that was going to come and throw off the yoke of the Roman Empire and and I was telling Norman I said, well, well when that was written originally Rome was not, nothing it wasn't Rome wasn't a factor then and and they were in bondage to somebody else at the time. <laughs> so uh, so it's quite interesting that we have all these these scriptures that talk about how the the Messiah was going to come through the lineage of David and and it was well known in the Old Testament and many of those folks that he was actually talking to probably had these very verses committed to memory. Uh, we were say, saying this morning that even that the woman at the the Samaritan woman at the well knew some things about Messiah or thought she did. She said, well, we know that when Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things and and he'll do this and he'll do that and and he says well I'm here <laughs> and what you thought is not not what's happening so uh, <clears throat> so <clears throat> this the fact that it was so well established in the Old Testament that God would raise up Christ to sit on David's throne is the subject of many sermons even. We find in Acts uh, chapter 2, 
if you would like to turn over to there and here lately Mike uh, Richardson's been bringing some lessons from that Acts chapter 2 regarding Pentecost and those things and and <clears throat> so Peter's preaching this sermon here in Acts chapter 2 and in verse 30 he's talking about David and bringing the gospel out in this uh, uh, sermon that he's preaching he says therefore in Acts 2.30 therefore being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins according to the flesh he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne and of course he's speaking about that part in the latter part of Psalm 110 that's quoted in Hebrews several times and uh, regarding uh, 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 thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek and <clears throat> he seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in hell neither his flesh did see corruption this Jesus hath God raised up whereof we are all witnesses and therefore being taught or therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost he hath shed forth this or issued forth this which you now see and hear. For David's not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Let, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And here we have this dividing line again where, where some that heard it said, they were pricked in their hearts. They said, what shall we do? And and Peter said, repent and believe. And and it goes on to say, then there were added unto them about 3,000 souls that day at the close of that uh, block. But w one of the things that I, I, I wanted to bring uh, forth was that uh, this David, he uh, he saw some things. <laughs> He's seeing this before. And he didn't just see it with a crystal ball physical eye thing, but he saw it with more than just the physical uh, items that he was equipped with. He saw it. it. It was in his heart. It was in his soul. It was in his revelation that, that God gave him about his Savior and how he was going to operate with great power and overcome. And surely David knew a lot about... <laughs> what it was going to take to overcome some of the things that, that he was involved in, uh, certainly. So, so he, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, he said. He, he saw that this resurrection was going to be an assurance that God was satisfied with his sacrifice that he would make on behalf of all of his people. <coughs> and <coughs> this same Jesus hath God raised up. The one that he saw this like a long time. You know, Job wrote about it. It's quite frequently wrote, written about in the Old Testament there. Uh, Job said, I, 
I know that my Redeemer liveth, and I'll see him later. <laughs> and, uh, so sit thou at my right hand, the, this Jehovah and Adonai, the, the Father speaking to the Son and talking about his almighty power that he would exert and thy, thy people being willing in the day that that power is exercised. And if it's not exercised, then not, nothing happens. Uh, it takes that divine power to be exercised. Uh, the scriptures says we, we believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That same almighty power that is talking about here in Psalm 110. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is needed to cause people to believe that very thing, to believe the gospel, to believe that their sin has been taken care of, to believe that uh, it's not something that they can uh, control, that they can exercise. Uh, they're like that one that, <clears throat> that Henry wrote about, the dead the dead can't jump up and say I'm going to come to Christ now because they can't because they're dead spiritually dead and the natural man cannot receive the things cannot neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned so this language in Psalm 110 intimates that David was was made privy to an and and this apart it just struck me he was made privy to a conversation, an almighty conversation between the Father and God the Son. He got to listen in. Isn't that cool? And he says, he says, the Lord, where did he get that from? The Lord said unto my Lord. What a, what an awesome thing to be able to tune in and hear and and we have that given to us in in the scriptures once once god works a great work in us we can look at that and say oh yeah <laughs> we got to listen in too back in the old testament and then more than that we got to see it the fulfillment of it as as we move through luke we're seeing all these things come into play he shall strike through kings he, he he uses every. I I keep trying to bring this out in all of our Bible classes that the Lord everything is under His Jehovah's power and control, and He uses every single thing to accomplish the redemption of the church. He strikes through kings sometimes to accomplish that. He caused the people to be in power at the time that Christ was there to accomplish His purpose that was written before the foundation of the world. He sets up kings and rulers and by him they they reign and rule. And uh, oh, I, I like that uh, uh, lesson that Norm brought from uh, Darius and Cyrus the Persian being commanded by God to do certain things in relationship to the, to the Jews. And to fulfill those things, they were heathen guys. <laughs> they, they weren't much interested in that kind of thing, but he caused them, uh, and he even had their name written down ahead of time. Their, what, who was going to do what, and uh, so, so it's quite 
quite interesting. And so here we have David. He both saw and heard uh, in Acts that he's seeing before. It had a vision of this uh, conversation and what was going to take place. And so we have this record of him seeing and hearing the word of the Lord regarding these fruits. And that was completely out of the scope of those folks that he was talking to because it was it was just words and scrolls to them, words that they turned and used to their whatever devices and and uh, schemes that they were working. <clears throat> so we read from Ephesians one nineteen and twenty where the talking about the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe and Therefore, in Acts 2.30, being a prophet, knowing that God had sworn an oath to him. Hebrews 1.3 says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That tells us a little bit more about what occurred before the Lord said, Sit thou at my right hand. He was the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. All this was accomplished in in this eternal covenant that they had. <clears throat> in verse 13 of chapter 1 of Hebrews says, which, which of the angels did he say at any time, sit thou on my right hand? It was only going to be accomplished through through Christ. And uh, <clears throat> Hebrews 10, 12, But this man... This one who is at the same time Adonai, but was the root and offspring of David, the branch, the rod out of Jesse. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting until his enemies be made his footstool. They had a clear understanding of of this whole process and... uh, Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Sit thou on my right hand. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand. I I really enjoyed that. The, we had in one of our lessons when Norm was gone from, we had a we had read from Isaiah eight eighteen, and I believe I said, imagine God the Father, and imagine Christ coming to him and saying, behold, I and the children whom thou hast given me. <laughs> That's another conversation that we have a, a, a we get a, a, a privy to. Behold, I took I've got I've got all of them. He doesn't say, well, behold me and all the people that didn't reject me or all the people that might have came or he says, Behold, I and the ch- all the children whom thou hast given me. 
are for signs and wonders. We're here. I'm here. And God the Father, satisfied, sit thou at my right hand. (laughs) Sit thou at my right hand. What a wonderful thing we have to be able to look into all that and and by His power uh, have some smidgen of understanding about what He did for us and the exercise of His almighty power in redeeming His people. So in the final analysis, in spite of all the records, in spite of all the evidence, in spite of all the writings that they had, uh, the Lord to them remains an enigma, uh, a thing hidden, a thing that can't be known unless revealed. And as he said later on, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So we'll stop there, and that will be our end of our uh, scriptures from Luke chapter 20. And then uh, in chapter 21, we, we find he's right where we left him, in the temple, teaching the people and preaching the gospel. And and we go into the, the widow's mites. To the, the you can buy those, you know, on online. <laughs> I think that um, that word means uh, is because uh, of Greek or Latin. It means leptus. It means the thin one, the, the smallest coin, the thinnest one, the one that's physically worth the least amount. But <clears throat> so, until the next time. Thanks for your attention. As always, be free.